0: Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Bucks presented by BrewHoop.com. This is Frank Madden, and we're going to run this on Monday, probably during the thick of Media Day insanity, uh, but we wanted to give you some talking points. I'm here with Eric Name. Eric, you're going to be at Media Day on Monday. Are you, are you excited uh, to, to hit up some, some Media Day fun?
1: I actually kind of am. I There's not a ton of times where... NBA players are forced to give you their time. Um, obviously you can head into the locker room before games and talk to them and try to get something out of them in those situations. And you can do the same thing after games, but they're not normally quite as talkative in those situations. Um, and also this is a very positive time everyone's undefeated. Um, everyone is currently a playoff team. Uh, so there's just a there's excitement. There's kind of a first day of school vibe. And instead of showing off the new clothes that they got over the summer, players are showing off their new skills and their their new outlook on life and their new way of viewing the game of basketball and how much weight they've lost and how how good they look. And it, it's 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 a fun time. I enjoy it. Um, it it should be a fun day. So uh, be sure to, if you're listening to it as, as media day is going on, check out Twitter. I'm sure I'll be tweeting stuff from there uh, all day long.
0: Yeah, so the, the topic we wanted to hit today, we actually went over this. We recorded a podcast uh, early last week, kind of before the insanity started with, uh, I guess the honest thing wasn't so much insanity, although it was news, uh, and then obviously the Chris Middleton injury. And the Michael Beasley trade and all that other. So this stuff kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. And then because we recorded a topic um, that is very relevant to uh, the loss of Chris Milton, which is the over-under, uh, the Vegas over-unders for wins came out for all 30 teams last week, early in the week. And the Bucks number started off at 39 and a half. And we recorded a podcast. We talked about the Bucks and we talked about the rest of the league, made some observations on some teams that we thought were maybe a little overrated a little underrated uh and then obviously with the injury to chris Middleton, kind of everything went out the window and um interestingly the over under on the bucks didn't get affected that much went from 39 and to 37 wins for next year and so uh before we launch into everything we hear from media day tomorrow we thought for monday we could Ah, uh, record this podcast. Talk a little bit about where we think the team is. Which, while normally, as you said, Eric, this is a time for positivity, positivity, and, and optimism, and you know, all the reasons why. You know, we, every team's going to live up to their full expectation, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, obviously, the Middleton news <laughs> was a major downer uh, for Bucks Nation last week, and it will be interesting to see tomorrow how much of a. Uh, shadow it casts over things uh it certainly casts a shadow over any attempt to predict the bucks wins for next year (laughs) and so give me your opinion so 37 wins i think we both agree i think the 39 and a half number was was a decent number to try to debate over or under on um 37 to me feels like way too small of a difference Relative to how important Chris Milton is to this team, so um, spoiler alert, I think both of us are going to come on the under here. But uh, Eric, give me your impression of, of sort of when you saw that number and how you're now thinking about the Milwaukee Bucks in 2016-17 and and what some reasonable sets of expectations are.
1: I get the the strange thing for me was the fact that a number had already been like existed, had been posted, and it was 39 and a half and they the bucks lose a guy that played 2852 minutes last season and they lose a guy that was one of their leaders in scoring and one of their most impl- important offensive players and also their best wing defender and you you try to think how do they put together rotations and to me that feels like a lot bigger difference than two and a half games um to go from 39 and a half to 37 or 37 and a half, or even if it's 36 and a half, I don't care two to three wins for Chris Middleton seems insane. Like that. It's only that little. And again, none of these, no, no advanced stats match up quite perfectly, but he was, he was worth more than that. Um, if you take a look at the advanced stats and I know we've mentioned the plus minus a bunch of times and how ridiculous it was with Chris on the floor and versus off the floor. So it's tough for me to, even attempt to fathom how it's just that small of a of a difference um and then i guess if you want me to try to make a prediction for the number uh my over under on the 39 and a half i took the over and i think i said 43 um so i'm still gonna take the under and i guess the reason why i said 43 was Blindish ish optimism and um, saying that Giannis is going to kind of sustain what he did after the all-star break or at least something close to it Jabari is going to do some more scoring Jabari is going to figure a few things out on defense maybe and the Monroe situation will be handled and MCW will be settled in and they'll find a nice role for both of them and everything will kind of work and it was kind of an optimistic take that 43 would be the win total for the team. And I guess it was hinging on a lot of Giannis is just awesome. And Giannis can still be quite awesome, but it feels like the under is definitely the way to go on that 37. Uh, And let me go 30, uh, 34, 34 sounds okay to me. Maybe
0: 35. Okay. I, I was at, uh, so as people who listen regularly know, I, I've been sort of saying, well, at the beginning of summer, I was like, well, I, I'm going to go to the summer assuming maybe this can be a 41-win team and you know, until proven otherwise. And so I've been kind of sticking to that 41-win benchmark uh, all summer. And then really in the last couple weeks, uh, some conversations I've had with people have made me kind of feel less optimistic about 41 wins. Uh, and so in part to provide more of a two-sided view I, I took the under on the 39 and a half although i would have been right there uh very close to it if, if i was seriously getting that i mean i don't think i would have bet actually okay let's be honest i never bet on on the bucks period <laughs> so <laughs> but but if you put a gun to my head and said you know bet one way or the other i might have said under um but it certainly wasn't something that i was going to go try to find <laughs> try to find a bookie to bet against um because uh, you know, as we've discussed, I think there is absolutely upside for this team to to win a fair bit more than that. I think, um, you know, could this team get into the mid forties? I think sure, this team could get into the mid forties if everything went right. Uh, and obviously, the problem is one huge thing went wrong last week with the Chris Middleton injury. That you know, normally you're not expecting to see those kinds of things happen in uh, late September before the ball first ball even gets bounced at uh, at training camp. So. Um, so, you know, again, I might have been a little lower than you, uh, even if I was at, you know, let's say 40, 41, I was kind of starting with a, a higher baseline to take from uh, on the Middleton thing. So, um, so yeah, maybe I, I was kind of going low 30s. And I think, you know, in, in all honesty, I think when we were recording this immediate reaction to the podcast, I think, you know, we were kind of sitting there thinking like, all bets are off. I mean, is this... <laughs> 28 29 31 team i mean yeah it, it's tough to say right because you look at where the team was last year by sort of the expected wins based on point differential this was a 29 win team and i think part of that was driven by probably the last you know few weeks of the season when they lost five out of six and had you know rashad vaughn and damian inglis and johnny o'brien playing you know real minutes and starting games and um Clearly, they were not uh, for as much as people went nuts uh, that the Bucks won that one game in Philly. Uh, they lost five of their last six. I mean, they had some real lay down. Oh, and, they were bad. They, they, were, they bad. were bad. Uh, you know, they lost to a Pacer team that had no starters. Yep. <laughs> well, they had guys starting the game, but they were not any of their normal starters Correct. in the f- season finale. I mean, this this was not a team that was, uh, you know, going balls out to uh, to 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 hurt their lottery chances i mean i'm sure that the players didn't care about that but uh the records was, was certainly not great the last few weeks of the season so even if you say maybe this is a better team than that then maybe that just gets you back to something closer to their actual record in the in the low 30s and then and then it's difficult because then you look at obviously the additions i think we, we've discussed there's some additions by subtraction with um you know adding delvedova um uh, not to say bales was a bad player but defensively bales was, was really bad last year uh, losing, you know, the aforementioned J.O.B. who did play real minutes. Um, you know, Rashad Vaughn uh, played a thousand minutes, which is a lot, especially a lot for a guy who who produced as little as he did. Uh, do they have the depth to marginalize a guy if he's playing as poorly as as Vaughn did last year? You hope he would play better and earn minutes. Uh, they probably have. They would have had a bit more depth, I'd say. Uh, adding, you know, uh, Brogden, uh and. Um, hopefully uh, getting MCW back healthy and capable of, of playing real minutes. But losing Middleton is is this sort of great equalizer, and you just kind of wonder all those positives, as well as obviously the growth we hope to see in Giannis and Jabari, um, did a lot of those things just completely go out the window in terms of improving this team. So, so yeah, I mean, my, my and this may be just a pessimist me, but my immediate thought was to immediately go to, to low 30s in terms of wins, um, certainly take the under on on 37, and I, and I don't know. I mean, psychologically, maybe this is in part me just trying to lower expectations for this team because uh, I think certainly expectations were raised significantly two years ago uh, when you know everything kind of fell right and they were this randomly really good defensive team and they got really good contributions and veterans. Jabari really didn't play at all, so uh, any sort of struggles that he would have had didn't really were muted in his first year and he still had to go through those last year, uh, on the court. So it, it's an interesting situation because I'm sure for the Bucks as a franchise, this is, you know, it's devastating to think that, uh, you might be ruling yourselves out of the playoffs. And I'm sure that there, that's not the way the franchise is thinking. I'm sure the franchise is not saying like, Oh, okay, let's think about how we can maximize our draft pick in, in 2017. But, uh, in practicality, I think, uh, certainly, by the time Chris Middleton might be ready to come back, you just wonder: is there going to be any reason to bring him back? And um, I'm already looking forward to uh, if Chris Middleton is ready to come back in you know March of next year. I'm I'm already really excited for the debate about why are you bringing back Chris Middleton when you're you know
1: <sighs>
0: ten games out of the playoffs or something like that, and he's coming off a really tricky muscle injury, which you know let's be honest, I mean he must have torn everything off the bone basically in his hamstring. Um, and just kind of anecdotally hearing some people talk about this, it, not, not from the team, just, you know, l- reading around on the Internet and things like that. I mean, I, don't, I have no idea. I have no idea what to expect from this. This is a obviously a really serious muscle injury, and, and you just hope it, it doesn't have a long-lasting effect on him. But, but who knows? Hopefully we'll, we'll get some more positive news on that tomorrow at, at, uh, at Media Day. So, yeah, so maybe I'll say, um, I don't know, 32 wins, something like that. Um, and, and obviously that's not a, not something we will be excited to say, but, uh, but who knows? I I mean, I think that there's so much unknown when you take Middleton out of the equation, maybe they can still build a good defense around or without him. Maybe they can still be not horrendous offensively without him, but the big issue I think is, um, and I guess the question I'll pose to you, Eric, you know, this was a team that was in the bottom 10 in offense and defense to get to 41 wins. You've got to be, you know, roughly, uh, average in both or above average in one and below average in another to compensate. Where do you think this team as it stands right now, where do you think it's, it's going to end up if you had to take a guess and um, where do you think losing Chris Middleton is going to hurt them more?
1: Ooh, that's brutal. Um, You look at a lot of their positive offensive lineups, their positive (laughs) offensive setups and well, Chris Middleton was involved and I know we, you've tweeted out the plus minus data from Last season, but the Bucks were plus eight point eight offensively with Chris Middleton on the floor. Um, that's significant. That's that's pretty significant. And uh, with Giannis, it was plus six point one. So there is a bit of a Giannis bump, but a lot of the workable offensive things the Bucks did last year had Chris Middleton involved in some way. Whether that meant he was spotting up whether that meant he was playmaking, whether that meant he was coming off screens, whatever may be the offense involved him. So that's, that's concerning. Defensively. I think I've described him as their best defensive player, uh, in another podcast that you had a bit of a problem with it, which is fine, but he's one of the guys that gets it. He's one of the guys that gets the crazy rotations, uh, that they're going to do. And, one of the things I think is interesting here is that I think both of us, both of us have believed that part of the reason why the bucks run the crazy defense that they do is that they want to force turnovers and they want to get easy baskets for Giannis for Jabari and give them a chance to get going in transition. And I think that's very logical for a young team. It is good to get out in transition, go get some easy baskets and Now you're at a spot where, okay, Middleton was one of the guys that really got it, and he got the defense. Now you take him out of the equation. Does Jabari move in on some of his minutes? And then does that mean Toledovich moves in on some of Jabari's minutes? And just trying to figure out how the defense works at all is really difficult. Um, But I guess if I have to answer the question, I think the offensive side is more, uh, I guess, more affected just because I think on an earlier podcast, I might've predicted a top 10 ish offense uh, just because of the development of Giannis Middleton being great and Jabari continuing to get better. I thought a top 10 offense wasn't all the question. And now I do think it's all the question. While I always kind of thought the defense was going to stay around the bottom 10 in the league, whether it would sneak out and get into that 15 to 20 range might've been a bit of a question. might've been a bit of a question, but I I still think the defense is going to be bad, or at least the thing that's below average. So I guess the offense is affected more to me, just because I, I struggle. It's certainly possible um, Giannis could just drag them to being above average offense, but it, it is more difficult to see without one of their uh, one of their best shooters, and they don't have a ton of shooters. And that shooter was on the floor twenty eight hundred minutes last season. So it's just tough to see how that offense can really make things work. And you can create some different lineups. I always thought the defense was going to be below average. I at least had hope that the offense was going to be above average. And I lose some of that hope with this injury.
0: Yeah. I think if you look at the stats, uh, sort of the net effect of Chris on versus off court, uh, they were 8.8 points per 100 worse uh, with Chris off the court, offensively 3.6 points per 100 uh, defensively, so I think the defense has the better chance of uh, rebounding from from losing Chris. I think uh, probably depends a fair bit on how they're compensating. I mean, if you know if you're trying to shoehorn more minutes in for Michael Beasley and pushing Giannis into defending shooting guards, um, that's probably less preferable versus if you uh, are keeping you know Giannis defending wings and and power forwards. And then pushing like Malcolm Brogdon into shooting guard minutes, given that Brogdon's probably a you know more natural defender um, of of smaller guards. But it'll be interesting to see. I, so I would agree. I think the offense. Um, I think the gauntlet has been thrown down here to get to uh, you know a top twenty offense, um, and I think there are obviously some trade offs here as well with Greg Monroe. Uh, Greg Monroe had the second biggest effect if you look at the net on off in terms of the offense. He the Bucks were six point four. Points per 100 better with Greg Monroe on the court. They were also 4.3 points per for 100 worse defensively with him on the court. So, certainly, if you, you know, if, if there was a Greg Monroe move between now and opening night, uh, that would be another blow to the offense while simultaneously probably helping the defense. Um, so, I, I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think if we, you know, made a guess that Greg Monroe might be moved at some point in the next few months uh, and then you take out Middleton. Uh, I think you know all told that the 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 pressure you're heaping on Jabari and Giannis there is is really big, obviously. And you'd hopefully, obviously, get improvement from guys like Rashad Vaughn, from you know terrible to to maybe half decent. Uh, the <laughs> good old J O B improvement. The good the good old J O B improvement. Um, and you're obviously hoping that that Matthew. I mean, if Matthew Dellavedova doesn't shoot, you know, high thirties or, or low forties from three this year. Um, you could be just in a i mean if if we thought last year was bad in terms of uh, the team's three point shooting you know right now there is so much riding on Delavadova and and Tolatovic as far as being able to shoot consistently so i think that'll be uh, a really interesting thing to watch so um so yeah i think it's the 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 challenge is definitely <laughs> clear for the bucks you know offensively um you know the it's very difficult i think to replace a guy like Middleton unless you find you know, for, you're going to have to make some kind of move. I think to get some kind of guard that can probably shoot and and provide some of that floor spacing that you know right now you just you just can't trust anybody uh, on the bench to to do that. Um, defensively, I think there may be more opportunity. And also, I think just defense. You know, defense. I think to be honest, I think especially if you move Monroe, I think there was a better chance that they could become an above average uh, defense. Just because it just feels like defense is one of those things that can just come and go. And it is more schematic versus talent based, and so obviously the Bucs have taken a huge tumble in terms of uh, in terms of the talent, losing Chris Middleton. So, um, so I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure Jason Kidd this week will probably say stuff about how this is a team that has to start with its defense because every coach always talks about defense first. Um, but I think especially for the Bucks now that Chris Middleton's gone, that that is going to have to be doubly true. Um, let's talk about some of the other teams around the league and we've got these over-unders that are floating out there and um I thought it'd be interesting Eric are there any that kind of jump we we won't go through all of them here but uh, are there any that kind of jumped out to you specifically as far as being numbers that you thought were were definitely too high or definitely too low that if you were a betting man you you would take a long look at
1: um one I'm not a betting man uh, it's like, like Frank Madden, I am not a betting man. Uh, but one that interests me is the Phoenix Suns at 27 and a half wins. And I think they're better than that. I, I just, there's a lot of talent on that roster and I don't necessarily, I, again, you have a new coach and you kind of gotta figure things out there and whether or not that, that'll help out. But like, Eric Bledsoe is a good player. Brandon Knight is a good player. Devin Booker was not terrible for a rookie and put up some numbers. I like P.J. Tucker. I like Jared Dudley. I like Tyson Chandler. That's Those are players. Like Those are actual NBA players that could be good. And 27.5 is about the same number as the Philadelphia 76ers. Again, that might be someone saying, well, the, six, the Sixers are going to be better this year. They're going to be improved. Things are going to change. But at the same time, twenty seven and a half isn't a ton, and there's just good players on that Suns team. I I know I maybe I shouldn't like some of them as much as I do, but I like a lot of those guys, and I I think they're better than twenty seven and a half wins.
0: It, they're an interesting team, I think, because as you mentioned, the ish the injury issues last year were so severe. I think you know if they wanted to just win as many games as possible and put some of the young guy development on the back burner. Uh, You could probably talk yourself into, you know, a a world in which Bledsoe and Knight um, play off each other very well. And, um, you know, Devin Booker is obviously a guy that a lot of people are excited about. Um, And I don't know how all that's going to work out. Uh, Obviously, a lot of talk about Brandon Knight potentially being the the odd man out, uh, given he, you know, at this point has a fairly attractive contract relative to certainly the way he played in Milwaukee hasn't found any of that consistency in Phoenix uh, in the year and a half since he's been there um, but you know Tyson Chandler actually looked pretty good after the all-star break last year relatively speaking so is there some way you can kind of coddle together um, something that is you know that works with with guys like you know Jared Dudley brew, uh, brew hoop favorite Jared Dudley coming back always a glue guy that that usually you know wins wins you a few extra games that you don't anticipate so having Dudley Bledsoe, Knight, um, Tyson Sh- Chandler, uh, and then you know PJ Tucker guy. Honestly, Tucker's a guy I would be interested in if the Suns were willing to move uh-huh. him. Um, he's a guy I would look at uh, as a potential kind of wing depth guy for the Bucks because he's again kind of a defense-first guy. Um, can you know defend other teams' best wings? Uh, has hit threes at a you know not terrible rate in the past. Um, so I, I kind of like him. But um, but yeah, if, if they decide that they're gonna you know play. Dragon Bender, you know, twenty, twenty five minutes a night, then this is probably gonna be a really bad team next year. Um but at twenty seven and a half. Yeah, they could be interesting, certainly. Um do, let you have, me, do you have one? Yeah, let me say I think as far as overs go, uh I was surprised to see the Hornets at thirty nine and a half. Um and you know, one thing against the Suns would be coaching. I don't know um I don't know if uh, God or Earl, Earl Watson. Yeah. I'm not sure if I trust Earl Watson to be a you know value adding coach. There aren't many of those in the league, um, so we'll see. Coming in as an interim and not really doing anything as an interim coach, and you know and kind of garbage time last year. It's tough to say, but um, but on the flip side, Steve Clifford, uh, a guy that I think both of us are are big fans of, has always yep. gotten them to defend at a high level. Um, they get rid of. Uh, uh, Al Jefferson, which, you know, probably to me isn't isn't a huge loss. You've got some some young big men there that uh, you hope can can step up and, and grow uh, into uh, into, you know, better players this year. And Jeremy Lin losing Jeremy Lin, I think matters for sure. Uh, losing Courtney Lee, I think that matters. Um, but by the same token, you know, you're bringing back most of the rest of a core of uh, a team that I think won 48 games last year. Um and just in general, you're getting Michael kidd Chris back as well. Uh, I don't know. This just—I I, just—I just trust that Steve Clifford's going to get as much as he can out of that, a team like that. And um, I'm not saying that they're going to win 50 games by any stretch, but can they win 40? I, I think they should be able to win 40. And I think especially with what's happened with the Bucks, especially uh, Miami with the news about Chris Bosh, um, I think they're another interesting team. I think they're at 36 and a half. Um, that's another team that I would certainly consider looking at the under on. Um, but I think, uh, I think Charlotte would definitely be uh, a team that, that I would probably take the over on at this point. I, I think they absolutely, I mean, I think I've, I've said, I, I would think pick them as probably my fourth team in the East, which, you know, maybe I'm, I'm over overstating, uh, or, or underestimating the loss of, of Lynn and, and Lee. Um, uh, but I guess I'm, I'm just, uh, 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 as you are a huge believer in Steve Clifford or in, uh, Frank Vogel, uh, perhaps Steve Clifford is, is my random other teams coach that, that I always believe in. Um, any others, any thoughts on that or, or any other teams that you think are, are definite, uh, overs or unders for you? No,
1: I'm, I'm a big fan of the Charlotte Hornets and Steve Clifford. Um, so I would, I would agree with you that that seems like, that seems like an over I should like 39 and a half. Doesn't seem like a lot that, and that would be what an eight and a half game, uh, decrease, from them or an eight and a half win decrease so again i don't want to discount who they lost but i like what they have there uh i i like them so i i would agree there um and under i like you brought it up mr vogel no longer in indiana and somehow the pacers are still at 45 wins and when I'm thinking about the the Eastern Conference and looking at the eight playoff teams from last year and trying to figure out – I'm not doing this anymore, but when Middleton was healthy and trying to figure out, okay, whose spot could the Bucks potentially take in the playoffs, the Pacers kind of seemed like one of the more obvious ones to me. They win 45 last year, um, so that would be – the exact same as their over/under for this year, and they lose a number of players, um, and they add Thaddeus Young, Al Jefferson, uh, Jeremy Evans, um,
0: Jeff, Jeff Jeff Teague, Teague for, at point guard. Your, uh, yeah, for your um, yeah, you. So you're basically, swapping. I think like the big question for me is you're swapping uh, Jeff Teague for George Hill, and we're obviously unabashed uh, George Hill lovers. Accurate and you're losing Jan Mahimi and replacing him with Al Jefferson, which is a, um, you know, and I guess I can understand that maybe they didn't want to pay $50 million a year for, for Jan Mahimi, but, um, Al Jefferson being at his age, and being an offense-first guy, uh, you can certainly look at what they've done. And you still have Monte Ellis, who's obviously not getting better. I, I mean, you just
1: have Nate, Mc, Nate McMillan, who I don't necessarily love as a coach. Maybe he he's taken some years off, or not necessarily off, but he's spent some time as an assistant. Maybe now in another go-around as a head coach, there's, there's some things he's figured out. But, man, trying to figure out Jeff Teague, Monte Ellis, and Paul George, like trying to figure out that trio and how the ball – gets moved around, who creates, who takes shots. I don't envy him and I don't I don't necessarily love his coaching as is and now he has to deal with that. And then as a center now, it's Miles Turner as your starter and I think we both love Miles Turner, the prospect, but he's only in his second year and you're putting a pretty heavy load on him uh, and then Thad Thad Young who I'm always convinced that he isn't necessarily as good as his stats might look. And I don't know how well he does on a good basketball team. So there's just a ton of questions I have about that Pacers roster. And I'm very hurt that George Hill and Frank Vogel are no longer just four hours away. (laughs) Uh, So mainly it's, it's hurt
0: feelings
1: and a little bit of saltiness for me, but yeah, I just don't see 45 for that team.
0: It just seems like a team that Larry it just I know and, and obviously Larry Bird is is not an idiot. They they've done, you know, well over the years, but uh, it just feels like a team that looked at its offensive rating and said we're going to add guys that give us weapons offensively to get us out of 25th. Yeah. And they took for granted the third def, third-ranked defense that they had last year. And it just seems like, you know, swapping, you know, effectively you had Turner and Mahimi as a as a big and defensively capable Big man combination. You're swapping that for Turner playing at center. Thad Young coming in and you know effectively replacing mahimi defensively. Uh, you're putting Jeff Teague in for George Hill, despite the fact that you have you know again some of the some of the value of Jeff Teague is that he's a better pick and roll guy. But uh, again, you've got Paul George and Monte Ellis who need the ball, and now you've got Thad Young who needs the ball. Uh, and off the bench, you've got Al Jefferson who wants the ball. So yeah. Uh, offensively I certainly hope they'll be a lot better than 25th but it seems like instead of trying to build a team that was going to be better offensively while still having the tools to be very good defensively uh it seems like you kind of gutted a lot of the defensive personnel you had uh in favor of just you know getting guys who put up stats
1: it almost Uh, looks like an offseason from another team in the midwest from a year ago
0: Interesting. Yeah, I was about to joke that you'd think the Pacers would have wanted Michael Beasley, given that they were trying to get just, <laughs> you know, kind of <clears throat> ISO scorers. Um, yeah, I'm, well, I mean, I think Greg Monroe is better than Al Jefferson, but, but there's certainly some similarities there in terms of big guys who are post scorers uh, and have defensive question marks, for sure, uh, and, you know, effectively... Miles Turner is sort of the Jabari Parker, I guess, in the situation where a young guy sort of boosted into a bigger role. Yep. Um, obviously, Jabari's not becoming a center, but uh, but the the assumption is, oh, this young guy's talented. Therefore, we can just put him in a more just prominent some parallels,
1: ball. just some small yeah. parallels. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah. So I, I would agree. I think there's a lot more downside to the Pacers at 45 wins over under versus, you know, upside like I. Can't I would be utterly shocked if they won 50 games, for instance. But I wouldn't be shocked at all if they won, you know, 37 or something like that. I'd agree. Um, other teams that kind of caught my eye a little bit: um, Mavericks at 39. I feel like there's just going to be some year here where the Mavericks kind of the wheels come off, and I think there's a lot of Dirk goodwill in there, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't think Harrison Barnes, uh, is that good and i don't think chandler parsons is great but i think he's better than than uh, harrison barnes probably and i just feel like that team getting a year older not really making any big moves is uh is kind of asking for trouble um also the blazers and i hate to pick against terry stotts because i think terry stotts has been one of the best coaches in the nba the past few years he's been Uh,
1: fantastic
0: yeah but i think looking at the blazers um I mean talking about parallels to the Bucks, I mean they obviously are constructed very differently from the Bucks. But the way that they surprised last year, I just think that they locked the not only do I not think that the team as is last season had that much upside, but I think their offseason, they basically <coughs> excuse me, locked themselves into a roster that I just don't really see having much upside and I think without the I don't know. I don't want to say like, oh, that there was a surprise factor that really benefited them night to night last season. But uh, I think the narrative on them is probably going to, you know, potentially going to shift pretty quickly because they're going to have a lot of expectations going into this year with how well they did last year and the amount of money they spent coming into this season. So I just think that that team, I I mean, again, this isn't a question of whether they're going to win a championship in five years. I I certainly don't think they're going to do that, but. Um, But even on the over under 46 and a half wins just feels like uh, just feels kind of rich to me. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think those are both. I I like both of those. Uh, I think just the Western Conference as a whole is very much in flux and very interesting to me. Um, I think an under to like is whatever the Warriors number is. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, 66 and a half. The under seems. Seems okay, especially with kind of like the recent comments about, oh, well, we're going to rest guys when they need it. And I could see them being pretty Spursian in the way that they rest guys. And I think that was a major reason why things maybe didn't go as well for them in the playoffs as I thought. I think they had some guys that probably had more tired legs than you would expect of a 73-win team uh so i think that'll be interesting Uh, another one on the bottom of the west the grizzlies i believe are at 44 and i I don't love that roster um they're kind of just running it back except with chandler parsons so gasol randolph conley tony allen and chandler parsons and there's some other there's some other players on that roster but uh, that's pretty much it for the most part and I know they had the draft of Bucks fans dreams with uh, Deontay Davis and Wade Baldwin, but I just don't really like that roster. Um, I'm, I'm sure they're banking on Gasol being healthier for uh, the season and Conley being healthier for the season and not missing, I think, 25 to 30 games apiece. But at the same time, again they're one of those teams that the wheels could just fall off and I think they're getting to that point so that that one's interesting to me as well the Grizzlies at 44.
0: Yeah I think transitional is a good way to describe the west because uh the Grizz are certainly one of those teams that you would look at and probably say is on on a downturn they they also lost Dave Yeager who's obviously sort of the architect even before he became head coach of that defense and so you kind of wonder David Fisdale coming in does do they you know can they maintain that or um, you know, or is, is, are things finally going to pass them by, especially with some of those older guys <clears throat> having injury problems last year for sure. Uh, and you just kind of wonder, okay, well, are they, you know, ever going to be an 82 game a night team again with, with Gasol and, yeah. and Randolph and, and Conley, or are those guys maybe going to be, you know, 67 game type guys with, with potential to, to lose more time. Um, one of the teams that is on the upswing in the West is the Minnesota Timberwolves, Uh, they're at forty-one and a half, which is a huge jump from certainly their record last year what were they they were in the high 20s i think 29
1: Um,
0: 29 uh uh, obviously a huge part of that i I think a huge part of that is is certainly the 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 tibbs bump yeah um obviously there are a lot of expectations that that carl towns and and andrew wiggins are gonna you know continue to blossom and, and help them win games um but i don't know i mean that if that team wins 37 38 games i think that's a p- totally fine result so i think they're you know the over under is certainly a pretty high bar um not to say they can't do it but uh it just feels like that's that's a big leap and still i don't know if i like that ro- <laughs> like that roster i
1: i remember the excitement of the night was Giannis playing point guard and also covering Carl anthony Towns. so he was kind of point center Giannis that night but I just remember watching that team and being like, they're bad. They're just bad. And again, Carl Anthony Towns was great as a rookie, unbelievable stats, on un- just an unbelievable season as a rookie. Way more productive than pretty much any other rookie has been in a long time. But they're they're bad. Like that roster is bad. Uh, so they, they have tons of question marks on it for me. Um, so again, Wiggins could improve a lot. Levine, uh, Levine, excuse me, was really good after the all-star break, um, or at least tons of people have told me that when I've questioned whether or not this Wolves roster is any good. Um, Rubio and Dunn seem kind of interesting as a pair at the point guard position, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I will say that 41 seems like a large jump. So I, I'm not so sure
0: yeah I mean, they have an interesting roster for sure uh you know Kevin Garnett departing uh which to be honest, I didn't really care about i I don't know i, I wasn't I don't know I liked Kevin Garnett when he was younger in Minnesota actually, and then I kind of got sick of him and That's his antics fair. um I didn't tweet anything about that because I feel like uh, it's not worth it <laughs> but I'll yeah say you it definitely, on this podcast. yeah like, you would have got some some feedback yeah. um but an interesting team because I mean, they're still you know they haven't added kind of that like obvious really good veteran guy, right? I mean, yeah. some of the names they added this summer uh, through the draft, Chris Dunn, and uh, maybe that helps them, but probably not so much this year. Uh, Jordan Hill, Brandon Rush, Cole Aldrich, um, not really names you'd look at and say, okay, those are like big difference makers. Yeah, um, They're losing, I guess, apparently, Pekovic as well, which probably doesn't matter at all because he hasn't played seemingly yeah. in two years. Basically, it seems like he hasn't played since they gave him that monster deal uh, a few years yes. ago. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty much it just seems like you're really banking on on Ricky Rubio, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins sort of blossoming Zach Levine, et cetera, into into, um, you know, a, a 500 team on their own, which could happen for sure. But yeah. it, it seems like a lot. Um, another team definitely that fits into the transitional discussion, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And they're at, I think, 45 and a half, which. uh you know, I like the Thunder. I want them to do well. I, uh, I don't know. I just feel like that. I just feel like this team—they uh, were about a 500 team, I think, when Durant missed most of the season, not all of it, a couple years ago. You know, Westbrook went nuts and kind of couldn't win them enough games to get them into the playoffs on his own. And I don't know. I mean, this team also doesn't have Serge Ibaka. So Urson isn't the answer, is what you're telling me? Yeah. <laughs> No, I I mean, unfortunately, we were kind of when we looked at this the other day, uh, you know, their their wing rotation uh, at small forward, uh, uh, you know, officially, which, you know, whatever, these things are kind of arbitrary. But I just had to laugh when uh, ESPN had their uh, depth depth charts and at small forward, they had uh, Kyle Singler and Josh Eustace. Uh, That doesn't feel like that doesn't feel like the small forward rotation of a team that was going to win. Uh, mid-40s, uh, so I don't know. I mean, Steven Adams obviously has improved a lot. I'm a big Steven Adams fan um, Westbrook speaks for himself Oladipo, I think is good, but I don't know. I don't think Victor Not Oladipo is like strange Yeah, I don't think Victor Oladipo is the yin to to what's the Westbrook's Yang um, and I don't know. I mean they have some interesting depth like Andre Roberson uh, a guy who you know who knows maybe he's the starting small forward this year. Uh, Demantis Sabonis is a guy I think we both think could be uh, one of the more more productive rookies for sure. Yeah. Uh, but you're not going to count on him to be you know putting you over the top, especially when uh, the shoes that you're trying to fill a power forward are are Serge Ibaka's. So I, I heard um I heard a, a a podcast Nate Duncan did with Fred Katz, um, and they were talking about uh, the Thunder. Fred Katz is uh, actually the uh, Lockdown Thunder host so Shout out to the Lockdown Network there um, And they were talking about you know Whether the Thunder could become a top 10 defense and I was just kind of Struggling with that because I think that they were Let's see I think they were top 15 they were 13th last year And just looking at this Team you take away Durant And West and uh, Ibaka I don't I don't know. I'm just not processing how taking away Durant, who is a monster on defense in the playoffs, yep. maybe not consistently that during the regular season, but a good defensive player for sure. And you take away a who, f- you know, as much as he may have lost something, clearly is is not a clearly is a better defender than nervous. Silva, who's, you know, might nominally be a starter or or a major minute guy. We'll see. I mean, if they have to start Ennis his canter at power forward, that's certainly not helping. So. I don't know. I mean, to me, I look at this team and say this is a team that might be primed to drop to the bottom third of the league. Who knows in defense? This team could go anywhere to me defensively. So um, so I think that's going to be a really interesting team to watch. And um, I think the more interesting subplot, which nobody's talking about right now so much, it surprised me a little bit, is that despite the extension, uh, is Russell Westbrook. If they win 40 games, I mean, if you're Sam Presti, are you not – Chopping the hell out of Russell Westbrook a year from now. What about at the deadline? You could also do it, or there. at, the, or maybe at the deadline. Yeah, if they're if they're disappointing this year despite having good health, uh, I, you know, again, the the clock is ticking on him. Even if you push it out by a year, yep. Uh, his value is never his value is probably never going to be higher than it is right now. Having a couple years of of runway, uh, but if in a year from now, I mean, what's your plan here that you're going to sign? Free agent question mark to some big yeah. deal, and that's going to be how you're going to do it. I don't know. I just, I just really question sort of how, um, how much that team can can do with the pieces they have, and whether they can really add to it. So I think OKC is definitely going to be an interesting team to watch.
1: I am also confused by them. Um, I don't think I have any other over unders that I like, dislike, am intrigued by. The re- them is an interesting place. So we'll see. But I, I don't think there's any others that really stick out to me
0: okay well then let's leave it there we'll let everybody get back to their workday fun their commute fun wherever you listen to us uh we appreciate all the support uh if you haven't given us a review on itunes uh we greatly appreciate those uh leave us a written review five stars those are always the best those help us a lot in uh, the itunes rankings uh people have been super great and supportive with that um subscribe to us. If you haven't done that already, we've got that link every time we run a podcast on dot com. So subscribe on iTunes uh, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. And we're going to have and I
1: was gonna say, a whole and bunch more. I would say that take that subscribe advice very seriously. Cause there, throughout the week, there's always people that are like, Oh, when did you post this podcast or something like that? When you or I tweet about something we said in the podcast and it'll be like, Oh, you didn't, the, the listener hadn't updated their subscription since we changed to lockdown so um, if you did find this by a tweet go ahead and subscribe that'll just make it easier for you and you'll get it as soon as possible rather than waiting for one of us to to tweet about it because sometimes we forget and we're not so smart and good about that um, <laughs>
0: yeah. so and 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 we always we always uh, you know the first place you're gonna probably gonna be able to find it is in your subscription on your pad, you know, on your RSS feed and whatever podcasting service you use. Cause we, we often take, uh, a few hours to post, uh, on Brewhoop.com just because of, you know, we write posts about stuffs and stuff like that. So, uh, if you want the podcast as soon as possible, definitely subscribe. Uh, we do try to tweet them out as soon as possible, but, uh, hit the subscription and, uh, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll take care of you and, and you'll have the latest and greatest or I guess sometimes it's not the greatest because uh, it's saddest, but no. <laughs> Onward and upward, Eric. Let's do it. Uh, and people should tweet at Eric Name on Twitter if they want to get their hot questions asked of Bucks tomorrow. I can't promise that Eric will answer ask all of them, but uh, harass Eric, follow him, yeah. and uh, we'll have lots more. So I guess Monday night we'll, we'll call it a date. Eric, we'll uh, we'll will discuss what you learned at. Can't at, wait. Uh, at, I can't wait.
1: I, okay how many guys over under on best shape of their life i'll put the number at four and a half frank four and a half i, best need, to, shape of their I life. need to
0: i need to post my uh my uh media day bingo card i guess oh yeah um i don't know i don't know if i have any updates from last year i need to think if there's any anything clever there best shape of their life i don't know uh jabari i think will be best shape of his life okay there's one um who else is best shape of his life ish Middleton,
1: uh, Middleton would have been a guy for me. I would have felt like yeah. that would have been one. Um, Giannis, maybe. Uh, yeah.
0: Miles Plumley, actually... <laughs> John I like Henson. Guy, I feel like the guy's... Uh, Greg, oh, Greg, Greg, Monroe. Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe would be a very yeah. clutch, best shape of his life Yeah, he's cause... lost some LBs and he's ready to go at a faster whether, pace. Yeah. yeah, whether he wants to stay in Milwaukee or get traded, uh, you know, hey start start spreading the, the, the good propaganda on how, <laughs> how good of a uh, shape you're in. So, all right, we'll leave it there. For Eric Name, I'm Frank Madden. Listen to us again on Tuesday and let us know in the comments. Over, under, I think in the Twitter poll I did at 39 and a half wins before the Middleton injury, I think 83% of people took the over. Uh, I'll, I'll ask again uh, on the site where people come out over, under 37. It'll be interesting to see uh, how people feel. But anyway, take care. Talk to you guys soon. Bye.